Hello and welcome to Michael's Record Collection, episode number 16. In this episode, I'm talking to guitarist Andy Scott, the band Sweet, legendary glam rock band out of England. And uh, they had all kinds of hits, Ballroom Blitz, Love Is Like Oxygen, Fox On The Run, just a tremendous bunch of songs that that band put together. Well, they've got a new album out called Isolation Boulevard, which is a play on the name of their famous Desolation Boulevard from 1974. This new album consists of 12 songs that the band re-recorded with the current lineup. Now, Andy Scott is the only remaining living member of the, the band's classic lineup, and so basically a full new band, although uh, some of those guys have been around for quite a while, including the drummer who's been around 30 years. Anyway. The bottom line is they re-recorded a bunch of their concert classics and uh, put it out as a new album. Isolation Boulevard was recorded in between some summer lockdowns last year, 2020. And Mandy Scott and his group put out an album that ordinarily I wouldn't give the time of day. I'm not not really big on re-recordings, but these ones I like. I actually like them. I like Paul Manzi, the vocalist, who is also in the, or was in the band Arena for quite a while. And so I was anxious to see what the band sounded like with him. And I think they did a good job. They they rearranged them just a little bit, reworked them a bit. And I think this is a good album. So anyway, Andy Scott was nice enough to talk to me about it. And I am happy to bring you that interview. So let's get to Andy Scott of Sweet. Enjoy. All right, welcome to Michael's Record Collection. I'm very honored to have with me from the band Sweet, Andy Scott. Uh, thanks for being with me. Oh, it's lovely to be, uh, well, to be alive, basically, after the year we've all had. And um, uh, I'm quite happy in my own skin and I'm quite happy with my own company. So I'm not the one in my house who's having problems. It's my other half. She's climbing the bleeding walls, mate. You know, Uh, she needs to get out and about and do things, you know. (laughs) I can relate. I think the only thing that I really was missing was... uh... Being able to sit down in a nice restaurant and go to see a concert. I think that was about it. Yeah, well, the concert thing, ditto. But we would be on the stage, wouldn't we? So Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to talk to you today about Isolation Boulevard, a new album that's uh, just come out. It uh, has 12 songs on it, and it was recorded uh, during the lockdown of September and October of 2020. I guess my first question is, is... why? Why? Uh, why release Isolation Boulevard, which is is a re-recording of of some of the band's well-known tracks throughout the years? Um, we owe Sony an album of new material, and it's been it's been kicked down the road a couple of times because of um, work commitments and the fact that Sony in Germany moved a lot of what they did from Munich to Berlin, uh, and. It's one of those situations that however much I would like to deliver a new album during the pandemic, I don't think is the right time to be doing that. However, the band wanted to do something. And um, what better than the songs that we perform live, the majority of the set, we might as well Mm -hmm. attack that. Um, Plus also, we have a new singer who's only been in the band uh, a couple of years. He's been depping for the, for the lead singer who eventually left for about seven or eight years. So it's not as if he's new to the fans or the band or anything. But to get his vocals on all of those classic tracks 
uh, and do a, a slight reworking at the same time. Uh, we did a re-record quite a few years ago where they sound like the original recordings, um, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we fooled a lot of people with that particular set of re-records. But, but this, we wanted to do something sl- slightly different. And the easy way, um, because there was a, a, a gap in the summer last year between lockdowns, where I was able to get some of the guys down to my studio one at a time. Um, the only the only thing that we've, and, and, and it's not faking, the only thing that we've done on a couple of the tracks is we found some fantastic outtake drum tracks that we have edited and uh, you'd never know. You'd think that we'd all been in the studio together. Um, but, but, but everything that you hear uh, was put together in a very, very quick, short space of time. And um, it seems the fans love it. So um, it wasn't a bad choice, was it, in the end? <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, let's talk about the current band a little bit. It's your, yourself, uh, Steve, uh, Steve Priest, Mick Tucker, and Billy Connolly, of course, no, with us, not, no longer with us. Uh, you mentioned new singer Paul Manzi. Uh, you know, people that have followed progressive rock would know Paul's work with the band Arena. He worked with with uh, Clive Nolan and uh, and those folks in Arena for surprising. I was I was surprised to find out that he'd been with them ten years. It just seemed like he just is the new guy, uh, but he was with Arena. At least Small is on bass and uh, Bruce Bisland on drums. Am I pronouncing his name right? Yes, you are. And it would have been fantastic. And I I don't really want to correct you because. Uh, to have Billy Connolly in in the suite would have been hilarious and fantastic, <laughs> but uh, the guy's name is Brian Connolly. Sorry, and, sorry. Um, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. And Brian was equally as hilarious and fantastic. <laughs> yeah, uh, Freudian, yeah Paul, Freudian slip. I know both. I, I know yeah, both yeah. gentlemen's work very well. <laughs> yeah. And, and the thing is, uh, um, I I got to know Billy because they we were on the same label. Uh, in the late 70s, um, uh, when he was having his hits and uh, we, we'd shifted labels um, when, when we released Love Is Like Oxygen. And uh, it was in the days when uh, Billy used to enjoy a drink. And there were many uh, an afternoon where I went round to the record company and the guy who used to look after us said, I think it's time to go across the road to the pub. And we'd, we'd still be there at closing time sometimes. So, you know. It, it was great. Um, right. To answer, Bruce Bisland has been with me for nearly 30 years. Now, that is uh, a, a lifetime in itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is so right for, you know, for the band. Um, I'm not sure if if he ever decides that that's it. And I can't do it anymore. Um, I've, you know, I've, I've got some youngsters hanging around in the wings. But I have to tell you, um, uh, I'm not sure how it looks when you when you've got really young guys playing alongside the old guys like myself. <laughs> I really don't know how that how that works, you know. Um, but Paul, um, yes, when when we first um, uh, when we needed a singer about um, oh, almost 20 years ago, Paul was quite young then, and he came along um, because somebody had highly recommended him. I think it was uh, Rick Waitman because he'd been working with his son. Oliver Wakeman, and uh, he sent me some stuff. And when we started to do some backing vocals together, we realized how much louder we sang than him. 
Uh, and um, the only reason he didn't really get the gig at that time was he was a bit young and his, oh, he, 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 he was a great singer, but the, the guy who had been in, the, in the, the heavy rock band Praying Mantis was available. And it was just a matter of slotting, uh, slotting him in, uh, but he, he, he didn't last. So maybe we should have got Paul in back then and, and you know, we'd have had 20 years with him instead of Arena having some of it, you know? Yeah. So you think you'll take another piece of me to satisfy your intellectual do you want action? Gonna bring you down cause you've been pushing me You gotta recognize my superiority But um, and Lee Small is also a, a lead vocalist as well. He's been doing some work with our uh, keyboard player who comes on the road with the band Steve Mann in a band called Lionheart. Mm -hmm. They've they're a, a late seventies, early eighties band, um, and he's now the lead singer with Steve in in that particular band. They've they've made a new album, but I I don't know what the um, uh, what the progress for that is, but uh, a lot of these guys these days. You see, I've only ever been in Sweet uh, since 1970. Uh, I don't have side bands um, apart from the band I had with Susie Quattro and Don Powell from Slade called QSP. We did a, an album and a couple of tours. Um, but you see, I joined the Sweet, and um, I'm shackled. You know, that's my band, whereas. Uh, a lot of these guys, um, they seem to be in two or three different projects, you know, as they uh, and I understand why, because the the opportunity um, there to actually uh, do what the suite did is not easy anymore. There is no route uh, by by doing some great gigs and releasing some records that have been hits does not guarantee you fame, fortune and celebrity. You know, um, mm -hmm. there's a lot of bands out there that um uh, my son and my my roadie that they tell me about who have been number one in the charts and have had um, albums that have um, you know been uh, streamed and all that stuff and I've never heard of them you know it, it it's not like it used to be when people used to get number ones over here they were front page news in the newspapers yeah but I guess the internet killed killed all that <laughs> yeah I think uh, video killed the radio star and then the internet killed the video star That's <laughs> yeah. kind of how it went it's it it seems like the english music scene is so tight so plugged in together because it's funny you mentioned susie quattro and i had uh completely coincidentally been listening to her music both friday and today at work and it was only today that i found out 
that you had produced an album for her uh, a few years back and then you just brought up the fact that you had worked with her in a band so it, it just seems like you guys are all very um you know knowledgeable of one another over there um yeah uh, the the susie thing i mean i've known her um well almost since since the beginning when, when she came over here but but really got to know her um probably in the early 80s when sweet were in hiatus and i was more of a producer and a songwriter at that time um and then it took a few years um doing some dates together in um in usually in places like germany or um or scandinavia or um and uh, her husband realized because I, I sometimes i would get up on stage and jam with her and her, her husband said you need to do something and uh, we um, we worked out that um, well she asked me would I produce um, uh, and she hadn't made an album for quite a while uh, and uh, even though I wasn't quite sure of the title but I understand why she did it it was called Back to the Drive you know in other words Devilgate Drive Back to the Drive mm -hmm. and Mike Chapman was um, the original songwriter was in the executive producer chair but I took her in the studio and did all the um, all the recordings and stuff. And um, it worked out really, really well. And from that, everybody started to say, well, you, we need a drummer and, and we're away. We've got ourselves a little band here. And Don Powell from Slade was the obvious choice as a drummer, because he's exactly from the right era, the same similar age and um, uh, similar mentality. So uh, it, for me, it was just a very, very natural thing to do. And uh, and the way we started it was uh, I live near Peter Gabriel's studio in Wiltshire here in London. Mm -hmm. And I've been I'd been using the studio and the guys there are fantastic. They, they've helped me out with my studio at home here. And I said, we just need three days to just try something. In fact, we'd been in there for an afternoon um, to record a, a TV track that I was doing with Susie and she liked it. Uh, and, I, and so I said, right, Don, when are you free? When are you free, Susie? And we went in there for three days and we came out with seven tracks. They're cover versions. That's what kickstarted the album. Uh, all those cover versions that we did, like Tobacco Road and Just Like a Woman. And um, I Walk on Gilded Splinters uh, and the uh, Slow Down, the old Larry Williams track. You know, so it, it, it's all that kind of stuff that... Um, that, that we all grew up with so we just wanted to get that out of, out of our system and if that worked then Susie and I got together and we wrote another half a dozen songs you know so that's how it all came together that's great uh, I wanted to ask you what it means to you to be the lone surviving member of the classic uh, era of, of the sweet lineup I mean it's 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 great that you're carrying on and, and, and I wonder if it's if it's do you feel like an obligation to carry on? Is it is it hard for you without the other three guys uh, knowing that they're gone now? You know, how is that for you? Everybody probably thinks that it's, um, you know, there are some very weird people who go on the Internet and they obviously think, you know, oh, you, you're finally on your own. You know, you've been doing it on, on your own, you know, for a little while while Steve, you know, was in L.A. And the truth of the matter is every time there's been an opportunity, uh, especially with Steve in, in L.A., I've said, 
we need to do something together. You know, there's only two of us left. And of course, he passed away last year. In fact, just about a year ago. Mm -hmm. And then you find out things that um, he'd probably been suffering. He hadn't been that well for, for quite a while. Uh, and whenever I spoke to him on the telephone, he, he uh, let's put it this way. He's never been the happiest of souls. And he see, he did not seem very happy in, in himself the last couple of times I spoke to him. Now, I don't know what causes th things like that, but uh, it makes me sad to realize that now I am the only one. I mean, the, the one that I got closest to after the original band was obviously Mick, the drummer, because we were in, in the suite together in the 80s uh, into the early 90s. And then his illness, um, he was diagnosed with, um, I, and I did not know he was keeping it from me. He was having epileptic fits, you know, and I said to him, you can't do things like this. And once it, it had happened, it happened at a gig and he was taken to hospital and he could, couldn't do the show. But other times it's been in the middle of the night in his hotel. Now, you tell me, you can't have that. You, you need to have, you know, control or somebody to basically be with you or, or an alert, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that was devastating. The, the, well, I mean, losing Brian in the, in the very beginning was, um, he was far too young, you know, f I think he was 52. But then, you know, he was full on. The guy was full on, you know, you, um, an unstoppable force when, when you probably should have been thinking, uh, do I need another drink? You know, um, maybe he was the oldest of us as well. So it kind of hit me hard because it, that was right at the time when we were talking about giving it another go, you know, with him. Mm -hmm. um, but, but he knew that, that somehow he had to try and get his voice back, you know, how that was going to work. Um, I didn't know. Um, and, and then of course, we, we, five years later, we lost Mick. He, Almost to the day, he kept telling me, he said, well, with my leukemia, because his, um, his epilepsy and pancreatitis um, kind of triggers the, um, uh, the leukemia gene sometimes. And uh, I remember him saying to me, if I have this done, it gives me another five years. And I said, well, let's make good use of that. But he, he was never, um, uh, drumming is physical. Yeah. It's not like you've got to stand stand there with a guitar or a bass or play a play a keyboard. Drumming is physical, and he was never going to get behind the kit and be the Mick Tucker that I knew. But he he would come to some of the gigs, and the fans would love you know love love to see him. Mm -hmm. um, and then Steve moving to America in in eighty one, uh, eighty two, um, completely and not coming back uh, was another blow because when Mick and I after two or three years off the road and I'm talking to Mick in such a way that you can't just sit here. He, he lost his wife tragically in a, it was a complete misadventure accident. I think she'd taken a, a sleeping pill and then had a bath and didn't wake up. And he, he, he walked in and there she is. And he was in a terrible state. And I used to go around to his house and sit with him and, if he needed a drink, we would drink. If he didn't, we would just chat. Mm -hmm. And in the end, I basically said, the way out of this is to do what you do best. And, you know, um, at least at least the fans got to, got to see about, you know, 10 years of us, you know, d doing something again, you know. 
Um, but Steve, moving to America um, at that time, I mean, I used to go over to New York and uh, sit with him in, he, he was in a very small, well, Manhattan, you know, small apartments, you know, right. uh, cost a fortune, you know, and um, hardly any space. And then, uh, and then a baby daughter came along and luckily his wife got a transfer to go out to LA um, and they were able to live with some space in, a, you know, in a house, but he was not interested in, um, in coming back on the road. And then, then about 10 years ago, he, he started to do some shows again with some LA musicians. Um, it never quite sounded like the suite, you know, because it's, um, it's a very British thing. It's the only way I can describe it, uh, that there's a template. You have to follow it. You have to, and it seems, um, it's, especially with the vocals, it's just the way it is. And, but fine, he's an original member. I can't, I can't turn around to him and say, you know, I'd rather him have come into my band, you know, into the suite, rather than him be playing, playing some shows with, um, you know, with some American guys. But if that's what he wanted to do, but, but now he's gone. I'm, I, I'm here, you know, trying to carry the flag. So let's uh, let's talk about Isolation Boulevard a little more. This uh, is a is of course a, a a nice play on your very famous album Desolation Boulevard. You used three tracks from that album of the twelve. You've got just an incredible lineup of songs here: Fox on the Run, Still Got the Rock, Action, Love Is Like Oxygen, Hellraiser, The Sixteens, Blockbuster, Set Me Free, Teenage Rampage, Turn It Down, New York Groove, and Ballroom Blitz. Were were there songs that you had to obviously narrow it down to fit on an album, but were there songs that were in strong consideration that, that were like the, the toughest ones to cut from this, uh, this list? I wanted to use set me free, but there was no way we were going to get Bruce into a studio in that sort of time. Cause there were no studios operating. It would have had to have been here. And because of the way my studio is set up at the moment, we don't record live drums. We have to go into places like like uh, Peter Gabriel's or, you know, an, an, another studio. Mm -hmm. It was thought, it was considered, but um, I actually found um, a loose live track um, that we'd recorded um, in Germany because uh, I've got many multi-tracks of, of, of the band, um, you know, recording-wise. And it was such a good drum track that we lifted it out and it's impeccable. Uh, we just needed to edit it a little bit and shove a few guitars on the top and, you know, hey presto, we have, uh, we have something, you know, really, really good there. So that, that was a bit of a challenge. Plus, mm -hmm. I, because of the pandemic in as much as anything, and we called it Isolation Boulevard, for me, it was obvious, Set Me Free had to be one of the singles. Uh, and Sweet have never released that song. I wrote it in 1973, and we've never released it as a single before.
And, and over here, it went into the charts. It, it was in the heritage charts at number one for a while. Um, we, we were getting airplay on major radio like the BBC. And uh, it was um, it was good. It was great. Um, um, we, we also released Still Got the Rock, which also did rather well. You know, it set the scene for Set Me Free, basically. Um, but but the others, um, if you're going to re-release old tracks like like that, the last time we released a, um, a track that had been previously released was when Guardians of the Galaxy 2 came out and um, both Capital in America and Sony over in Germany re-released Fox on the Run and it went went into the Billboard chart, it went into all the charts in Europe. So, and you know something, I learned something when that was released uh, in 2016, whenever it was, 17. The charts are not just made up from direct sales anymore. You've got streaming, mm -hmm. you've got downloading, you've got, you know, and it's almost like, going into in the old days you'd go into a, a video shop and rent a video to watch over the weekend streaming for me is a little bit like that it's like well okay you're not buying the the dvd or, or the the cd anymore you're renting the song and it gets a little tick over here it's worth cents it's not worth any real money mm -hmm. unless you get millions of ticks on right. this side you know and um, but that all goes against the chart position, which, you know, is, well, I, I, I suppose you've got to get your charts from somewhere, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 we sell millions of vinyl, you know. It was, um, yeah. it's, a, it's a crazy world for me at the moment. <laughs> yeah, once upon a time, it was uh, receipts from record stores and that kind of thing. It was, but, uh yeah, it's the the world certainly changed a lot since you guys got started, but just a, a tremendous list of songs here. Did you guys do anything? Did you want to approach this in a fresh way, or you know, was there some concern on your part that you know longtime fans would hear them and go, "Well, that doesn't sound like the one I remember," and get a little grumpy about it? Did did that even enter your mind? Um, it did, um, and the title came from from me just sitting alongside the engineer. Uh, my young young lad who helps out in the studio and him saying, I need to put a title for the project. I just don't want to put, you know, sweet 2020. And I said, oh, call it Isolation Boulevard for a laugh, you know, and it stuck, you know, mm -hmm. that, that. And once we had that title and, and I said, well, if we're going to be recording things that, that we do live, then we need to we don't need any more than 12 um but it, it took some finding to to actually put 12 together never mind um uh any more than that um in fact i thought we were going to end up with it 10 or 11 at one point until I, as i say i i found that um that drum track in one of the uh, one of the outtakes of a, a of a gig um that that was never used so once we got the um the thing up and running the the tracks just um automatically chose themselves because uh, i wanted um the our latest um incarnation of uh, new york groove with a little bit of um empire state of mind you know the alicia keys thing in there mm -hmm. i wanted that to go in there because that gives um that gives a solo spot to lee small as a vocalist as well Cause baby, baby. 
So um, I wanted things that um, maybe weren't obvious hits in America, but should have been like Blockbuster and Hellraiser uh, and Teenage Rampage. You know, um, we purposely did not want to recreate like I did, as I said to you, 25 years ago. I did. We did not want to recreate the, um, the hits as people would remember them because we've already done that. Yeah. Um, and and the endings of the tracks. Um, because they all had a looseness, but an ending, I thought, let's leave that, you know, let's not, let's not mess with, um, it, it's like being live in a studio, you know, you don't all immediately go three, four, um, you know, you, you sometimes end with the drums carrying on a little bit and the bass carrying on and then they stop and then the guitarist goes, you know, and, and, and we had a few endings like that, that, that I thought, yeah yeah let's 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 keep all that you know yeah well it seems like the the fans uh, from what i've seen on, on comments it, it seems like they they have taken to these um you know re-recordings in a way that it, you know the internet can be a terrible place and, and oftentimes it's a great place to go and, and and crap on things but it seems like people are not doing that it seems like people are really enjoying these new mixes yeah well it's always amazed me um because um, it, in the old days, people used to write letters to the Times if they disagreed with something in, in a very, should we say, erudite and very uh, educated way um, to put their point across. Now, it seems you can be this horrible, sadistic monster on the internet and go on somebody's site and abuse them and nobody does anything about it, you know? now. There's something horribly wrong there. There has to be some kind of policing that I know that the guy who runs the sweet Facebook site, he will not, and it, there's a disclaimer up front, he will not have anything that is considered um, defamatory, derogatory, that might cause offence on there. Yes, have your opinion. If you don't like the sweet, say so. But as, as the fans say, what the hell are you doing on this site if you don't like the sweet? What the hell are you doing here? Right. You know, how did you find this to just say, I never liked the sweet? Well, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So you're, you know, pick, I, you're picking I, I a fight a at that point. That. That's, that's you all know. you're doing. Uh, yeah. Uh, what keeps you going, Andy, as a, as a recording artist and a, and a live performer? Why do you still do this, at, at, you know, here in the year 2021? Back in 82, when we stopped touring, and, and I was um, 
well, record producing, songwriting, appearing on other people's records, albums. You know, I was I was that that jobbing guy who, you know, record companies would call and say, we've got a new band here. I, I mean, I took Iron Maiden into the studio early days. Um, and um, that's probably one I should have stuck with. Uh, but, um, you know, you, 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 you still... Uh, I was going out of an evening looking at acts or looking at bands, and I came across this pub band called Paddy Goes to Hollyhead, which was at the time a play on words for, on Frankie Goes to Hollywood, you know, and, and they were an Irish singer pub band um, doing um, all those good rock tracks, a couple of Thin Lizzy things, you know, and, and I would get on stage and jam with them. And then I realized that the drummer was the guy, Bruce, uh, was the drummer that I produced in a band called Weapon, um, a, you know, a, a year or two earlier. In fact, it was him who said, you should come down, you know. Um, and and, and the, the guitar player was Mal, who I produced in another band. Uh, and I met Danny, the singer. Um, I met him at the record company that I was, the, Vir the Virgin Offshoot record company that I was signed to with my solo recordings and i found myself so where's your next gig oh i'll come along you know and after a few months of this they said well you might as well join the band if, if you're going to be doing most of the gigs with us you know and um because they, they they only had one guitar player and you know i was going along next thing i know we're playing things like uh, places like the hippodrome and the marquee and playing playing some small festivals and the singer's come up to me and he said, you probably don't realize, he said, but we're being paid properly now. And I went, oh, <laughs> he said, and, and um, here's, here's some money for you. We've, we've all been feeling a bit bad about this. And I said, oh, I was just doing it to keep my hand in, you know. So um, I then realized that I was missing being on the road. And I told you earlier, this is why I went back and, and started to talk to Mick. And I was phoning Steve in America saying, we got to get this back together because I'd, I'd also met the agent who's been with Sweet since the mid 70s. And he said, if you put the band back together, I'll fill your date sheets, you know. And I said, OK. So we set about doing it. And ever since then, ever since 85, I think we did the first gig in Australia. Um, I haven't looked back since then. The, there have been moments there have been moments along the way um, where I thought enough's enough. It's more personal things. It's like um, marriage breaking up, for example, mm -hmm. you know, my second marriage. I'm starting to think, and it was in the middle of, um, of producing Susie Quattro's album and making a new album called Sweet Life for Sweet. So obviously some of what I'm going through comes out in the music, you know, songs, songs like, like that. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, but you steal yourself because you realize that you can't go into this dark place. You have to, you have to, you have, this has to be light. And it's when, when you're in the recording and you, you make something, you hear something fantastic and you, you've mixed and made an album and, and everybody's saying how good it is. That's what drives you on. And uh, after Sweet Life, um, we went on the road and we toured with that album for like two or three years. I think we even came to America with it. Um, and 
Um, it, it's that kind of thing that kind of drives you on. Plus the other thing, uh, when, when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer in 2009 and I had my treatment in early 2010, when I was free and realized that I'd been given this, this other chance and I'm still here, you know, um, which is um, because it was a, what's known as a T3, which was a, a, a bit of an aggressive little bugger. And um, so that's another thing. Do not despair. You have to be positive now. Don't get riled up. Don't have any stress. I mean, the Andy Scott of 30 years ago was probably quite a stressy guy. The Andy Scott today is a bit, little bit laid back. He doesn't care. Well, when I say he doesn't care, not, he, he tries not to let much phase him, you know, because um, there's always another day and nobody died. And, you know, let's just, let's just see what we can do to fix it. And the drive that was there with the original band in the 70s was one kind of drive. And the fact that, you know, we were all full on um, all the time. Um, uh, I think Steve, the bass player, was, was probably the, the least. Uh, he was always the, the peacemaker, if you like. But I think what, what drove us to make the kind of records that we made was the fact that we were wanting it to be the best. You'll never get perfect. But mm -hmm. if you can get close to perfect, um, then that's that's the best that you can uh, that you can hope for. I mean, now with all my experience, I don't even bother to c carry on with an idea of a song unless I think it's going to go somewhere. I don't have those, you know, cassettes or tapes or recordings of duff songs that I bring out once in a while and say, "What do you think of this?" They were a duff song. There's no point in returning to that, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna come up with a an idea, then you have to have the the idea and the the, the co construct before you even start. Uh, it, it's not like the old days of just do, doodling on a um, on a guitar. You know, the 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 ideas for songs um, are also uh, very important. Um, you know, uh, Sweet have always had titles. That um, that kind of grab you, and and I I try and start with that these days. You know, um, I mean, st still got the rock came from uh, a guitar riff that I had, and I immediately fell fell into the chorus and was singing still still got the rock, and I thought I'd like another word instead of the rock, and then um, my other half said to me, no no, what you're doing is you're personifying rock, the rock. And you've still got the rock inside as a as an entity, and I thought I'll go with that. That's fantastic, you know.
So let me ask a question of this uh, new, more laid back um, Andy Scott. Um, let's say a time comes, you're ready to settle down and call it a day. What happens if the other guys say, do you mind if we get a guitar player and carry on as sweet? We love this music. You know, we want to keep playing it. What do you think? Listen, you Americans are the franchise kings. <laughs> and apparently I'm hearing stories from, you know, friends of mine over there. They're saying, oh, there's this, there are bands out there now who do not have that original, original member in them anymore. Yeah. And I said, well, maybe they were always set up like a franchise, you know, um, if, if there's, uh, and, and I'm not money driven, you know, it, that's not the thing that drives me to carry on with, um, you know, with performing or, or, or anything. It's the, the fan, the fans will dictate, you know, if, if I was to come out and say, uh, you know, three, five years time, hopefully still around, please. Um, you know, the mast. Um, I'm. It would be the fans that would dictate stuff like that. I, I'm not sure whether they would accept um, a suite without an original member. Mm -hmm. uh, I. That's just, just my feelings. Um, they they might accept the best suite tribute that you could get, because they want to hear the music. But you're not right. fooling anybody, then, are you? No, no. You, 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 you're not. You, you're not trying to take something that that um that doesn't have validity at least if you're saying these guys played with me and they want to continue as the suite then it would become the the ultimate suite tribute you know it, it would be that kind of situation and maybe the fans would accept that but mm -hmm. but i i'm really not sure whether they would accept anything less yeah, the reason I brought it up is it's actually not American based. It's it's that uh, members of Yes have said you know that they wouldn't mind if the band carried on with all just continuously adding new new people you know for for years and years to come. So that's kind of where I got that idea. So well, well, progressive, <laughs> uh, uh, and I understand that, but progressive rock is a slightly different beast, isn't it? Sure, I mean, sure. Yes, Yes have had so many different uh, incarnations and. And decided to, well, I don't want to work with him again, but I'll work with these two. And you, you've had three yeses on the road at, <laughs> at, at, at one point. And yeah. people will still go and see the, those incarnations. And I, I love the idea of that. But as I'm the only one left in Sweet, and Sweet has never had any permanent members added, permanent members. In other words, this is the new lead singer. Say... Um, th there's a story going around, and it is true, that um, when we were on the road um, in America um, uh, during the last tour with Brian, I met, um, uh, well, I reconnected with um, Ronnie James Dio. Um, he was in a band called Elf, being produced by Roger Glover when I first met him. They were living in London, uh, and then he joined Rainbow, um, and we were on tour together. And Ronnie used to spend more time in our dressing room than theirs. He said, he said, the atmosphere in there is not great. He said, um, and I said, oh, and then he, he, he put it in my head. He said, Feb, you're looking for a singer, you know? So I thought, right, sweet with Ronnie James Deal. That would be a bit, bit crazy. And when Brian left, we were in the studio and I said to the others, you know, R Ronnie would, um, and my manager, my American manager got me his direct line. 
and I phoned him from the studio. I had to I waited wait till midnight, make sure he was awake on the West Coast. And um, and he said, yeah, he said, I'd be up for giving it a go. Um, so I went back into the control room and said to the others, well, he's more than willing. And in that 20 minutes that I'd been away, Steve had been talking to Mick and he basically said, I don't want to replace Brian. He said, I think we've been doing well as a three piece as we are. Why would we put another catalyst into the um, the arena? And, and I thought it has to be all of us. You can't have two people saying we need a singer and one saying, no, we don't. It has to be everybody because um, it would not work. So what, once there was somebody saying, no, I, I'm not sure, I, I don't think that that's right. The idea was, um, was, was kind of quashed. Now, that if Ronnie had joined or someone, if we'd have replaced Brian, he probably would have been an original member for whatever, you know, that there would have had to have been some, at that time, there would have, have had to have been some some kind of because I think we'd have probably gone on and had a little bit more success than we actually did had we replaced Brian you know that's that's just my personal thoughts but because we didn't and then Steve moved to America in 82 it kind of ground to a halt there was a hiatus in the middle so anything that happened after that when Mick and I reformed in 85 the historic part of the band is the from 1970 through to 82. And anything from 85 onwards is like a new start, if you like. Mm -hmm. Now, anybody who joins the band from there cannot piggyback into what happened before 82 because those hits belong to that lineup. Did you see where I'm coming from? Sure. So the only, the, the only way we could move forward, and Mick and I then realized that to actually find guys who are going to be permanent members was going to be difficult because they don't have the stamina that, 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 that we have, or that Mick and I had. Um, in other words, I'm going nowhere. You know, I, I, yeah, if I'd have found a singer back then who was going to stay with the band right the way through to today, then he would have been a permanent member. You know, you, 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 you see the... Um, uh, the analogies that I'm making here. Yeah. So, so um, from that point of view, any incarnation of Sweet that that happens after an original member dies cannot really be the Sweet. It's it's all very well me saying, well, I have the trademark, I'm able to pass it on. Yes, I could do that, but let's get back to the fans. They're the ones who control this. It's like. Um, I have to make the analogy with our football, soccer, as you would call it. You know, all those owners who tried to separate all the cream of the football teams in Europe and form this Super League, all to do with that, you know, the dollar, uh, the, the euro. Um, and it didn't work because the fans just rebelled and said, you're not having our effing football clubs. We've been supporting these for 100 years or more. You know, how can you, how dare you say, right, you're not going to be in that uh, league anymore. You're coming into the Super League. And not only that, you can't be relegated because you founded this league. That's like saying it doesn't matter how badly we play, there's no ladder to climb anymore. 
you're getting the top 12 teams in Europe all going to be playing for the same competition. And that, that's when it falls apart for me. It, it can't be money-driven. It has to be, if the fans still want to see a band performing sweet songs, then it would have to be a tribute-type band. You know, um, I do feel quite, you know, fairly strongly about this, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. Dreams are getting so strange I'd like to tell you everything I see Oh, I see a man at the back As a matter of fact, his eyes are as red as the sun And the girl in the corner let no one ignore her Because she thinks she's the passionate one Oh, yeah, it was like lightning Everybody was frightening And the music was serving Speaking of the fans, Andy, what do you what do you hope that the fans take away from this new recording, this uh, Isolation Boulevard? Well, it, it would be nice to, um, and 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 I've seen some of the comments there. I think they're just happy for us to still be capable of producing an album like that. Um, yes, there have been compilation albums of the original band performing some of these songs along the way. But to do a reworking and a rethinking of, of a couple of the, you know, um, of, of 12 of the uh, major songs that we've had and to have it accepted the way that it's been accepted, I can think of nothing better. You know, um, uh, my, my, what is it? My job is done. You know, um, it, it, it's, it's, what, it's what you want. You, you, you want the fans to be happy. And they seem to be happy, um, especially now. Uh, the main complaint was that there weren't any hard copies around, like CDs or vinyl. It was download only when it was first released. Mm-hmm. Well, now we have uh, an American company producing some vinyl for us um, in um, different packaging with a, a purple vinyl inside. And it, 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 it's really fantastic to see that. And um, there will be some CDs soon. You know, my um, my son's dealing with that. Uh, he's my um, he works for me, and um, when we go out on the road, um, that will be part of the um, uh, of the merchandising. But but people can still buy from the uh, from the Sweet website as well. But you know, it's um, that's just uh, business. It's got nothing to do with me. Like me, you you've been around long enough to see vinyl become cassette become cd and now it's back around to vinyl what, what do you think of the the vinyl revival and, and and what it's sort of become here in the in this these these 2020s well i had to buy myself um a, a new record deck uh, I, I managed <laughs> to find um a, a used um uh, technics you know one of these direct drive uh, that i used to have that uh, that my son stole from me um <laughs> But the, the one that I wanted to use, the linear one that I had, um, wasn't working anymore. Uh, the stylus was knackered and the, the arm wasn't working properly. So I just thought, right, um, time to bite the bullet and, and, and get another 
uh, another vinyl deck um, only because um, companies were sending me vinyl to um, uh, okay the test pressing and I had nothing to play it on. I used to have to go around <laughs> to my, my friend's house who, who I know has definitely got a vinyl player, but, but his system's not fantastic, you know? Yeah. So uh, how, are, how are you listening to music these days? Do you have a favorite format that you use? Uh, I'm afraid I'm lazy. Um, I don't go down the Spotify route though, um, but I do have a, a fairly large uh, collection in, in, fold, in certain folders and also on, um, on the dreaded iTunes because we're Mac orientated. We have a recording studio, we have laptops, we have, um, uh, I, I'm on an iPad at the moment, you know, God, God forgive me, you know, for, for going down the Apple route, but it had to happen, you know, and, and the one thing you have to say about it all is it doesn't have tie in beautifully, you know, that you do something on one and it, it appears on the other one, you know, they, they've got you, you know, the, the, you buy one piece and um, you're shackled for life, you know, and, and, and of course the, um, the IMAX in the studio, they work, you know, you can't see, we used to have crashes all the time when we, uh, when we had um, the, the PCs in the old analog studio that ran alongside the, the big tape machines. Mm -hmm. um, and then all of a sudden, everything started to appear on the um on the apple side of things and everybody was saying look i know that you think of them as graphics machines but they're the future you know uh, and and all you then need is a, a stack of um hard disks to keep backing everything up and um and you're away i was never really i was a little bit like um uh, neil young you know the way he he talked about digital in the beginning when uh, when I first heard a CD, I thought, oh, God, that's a bit tinny. You know, uh, you're turning the bass up on your amp and, and, and things like this. Uh, and then you realize that um, there's not, not all the frequencies that should be there are there. And mm -hmm. I remember reading this article. I don't know whether you read it, um, Neil Young, all those years ago in the 80s or the early 90s saying uh, digital sucks. You know, that's it for me. I'm only going to have a record analog from now onwards. And I thought about, well, we were still recording um, analog um, in the 90s uh, and even in the early 2000s. You know, I've still got big tapes of, of the Susie album and, um, and of Sweet Life. You know, we've we, we still got, but, but we were also using um, uh, a program that, was, that would link in. Um, and we also had a, um, a hard drive recorder. Uh, so we, we were trying all, all different kinds of things. And then all of a sudden, uh, the, the whole thing got uh, kind of blown apart in around 2006, seven when the Supermax came out with, you know, um, Logic and all, all these programs. And it was at that point where I realized my studio, instead of fitting into a wing of the house, could fit in my office here. You know, all of a sudden I can record in... Um, and, and, and it was so forgiving and all the frequencies are, the, are back and they're there. You know, you don't have this, um, well, these are the frequencies we're gonna give you. You've got them all, you know? Mm. And, and I have to say, um, since then, you know, the last 10, 12 years I've been, I bow to the, uh, to the great God of digital, you know, because the editing is fantastic and the, um, 
the way things can be put together. To be able to send that amount of data down the line to somebody without without having to post it or, or get in a car and uh, give, give it to a courier. You know, yeah. it's just, um, well, it, it's, it's opened the world. I'm not saying it's the best thing for the world to, to have things as instant, instant as that, because yeah. I don't want to start talking about these other programs that the kids seem to be getting involved with, that um, they do something online and then it disappears. You know, I mean, right. we've all got granddaughters, <laughs> you know. Um, so there we are. Um, Spotify a minute ago. The not all of the sweet albums are on Spotify. Is that a rights issue thing or a band decision? Uh, I don't know. America, we seem we don't seem to have a lot online in America. Uh, that could be the fact that somebody at uh, when Capital got eaten up by one of the big other release, you know, like holding companies like Universal. I think it was. Um, there's only one album, apparently, my friends tell me that you could buy over there, and that's the Desolation Boulevard, the original one, um, which, which is a bit sad, whereas over here in Europe and the rest of the world uh, with Sony, um, everything's available, uh, all the albums, all the tracks, you know, and um, we've got to be on platforms like um, Amazon and uh, Apple Music and uh, Spotify for the simple reason that uh, without it, who's going to find find you, you know? Yeah. And those pennies, uh, while small, they eventually add up, I, I would think, to something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, what is it? Um, if I needed to work, that's not going to keep me, Spotify. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've had a great time uh, talking to you, Andy. I wanted to relate a story uh, just uh, to let you know the reach of your music, because uh, when I was in college, Ohio State, there was this little bar that was upstairs. Oh, we used, we used to love Ohio. There's <laughs> this oh, little bar upstairs from, uh, it was like a bar downstairs and a bar upstairs, and they had two separate names. The bar upstairs was called Surf City, and this was in the mid 80s. And they played, they played all music from the 60s and 70s like early 70s like probably nothing beyond 75 and this was like i said in the mid 80s so everything was more than 10 years old and i remember one of the big hits of the night like every night you were there at some point they would play little willie and the place would go bananas and this was one of the most crowded bars on the campus and it was um it was the bar with the most girls in it, which was why I liked it <laughs> as well as the music. And it was just something to see is all these people who first couple of years in college, you know, young people probably heard the song at some point, but 
it wasn't what they were listening to on a regular basis, probably. And they were they were all singing Little Willie at the top of their lungs in this in this cramped little bar. And I I just thought it was um, it was one of the highlights of the night. I just wanted to relay that to you just to show you the reach that your music has had. Yeah, we we were always well, that's fantastic. But we were always slightly out of sync in America uh, until Fox on the Run. Um, we Little Willie was a hit in Europe um, in the early summer of 72, I think it was, or the summer of 72. It wasn't a hit in America till 73. By that time, we were releasing songs like um, uh, Blockbuster, Hellraiser and the Ballroom Blitz. And Bell Records, um, who we were signed to when Little Willie um, was released, wanted to release the Ballroom Blitz. But by this time, we're now in 74, and th there's a deal being done with Capitol Records, because the guys from Capitol Records came out of the woodwork, because our deal with um, Bell was coming to an end. And the guy wanted to continue and said, I want to release that. And uh, somebody obviously put a little bit of pressure here and there. And Ballroom Blitz was actually held back until the beginning of 75. By this time, we also had Fox on the Run. And they, they virtually released Ballroom Blitz and then Fox on the Run within a couple of months of each other. So we had both those in the charts in 1975. <laughs> um, but they were trying to bring everything up to date. So I understand why they did it. But that's why America missed out on Hellraiser and Ballroom Blitz and uh, the 16s. The 16s appeared on the album, but it was a huge hit in Europe, you know? Mm, yeah. So I, I remember those uh, uh, songs. I used to I used to record the Casey Case of American Top 40. I used to listen right. to it every week and I'd record it and I would and I remember having one with Fox on the run on it, another one with uh, when love is like oxygen was out uh, that was on it. And, and those, that was my introduction to the band. I ended up buying the 45 of little Willie in college in the mid eighties because of, you know, going to Surf yeah. city. <laughs> well, the, the, the love is that oxygen um, track, which um, came out in 78. Um, uh, the the album give us a wink the heavy metal album and then then the other out the next album off the record which was the that we were changing there was a lot of heavy rock moving into something a little more pro progressive but the little willie thing it sold almost as many as fox on the run even though it didn't go as high in the charts as fox on the run but it was in the charts for a long long time and you know what america's like it just keeps bubbling you know, it just keeps keeps there. Apparently, the Elton John did an interview that I, I heard where he said, I used to get lots of, but my, he said my record, it ne maybe it didn't go to number one, but it would be in the charts for like six months. You know, and he, he, he said, that's what you've got to remember. And and that year, uh, it won the ASCAP award for the, you know, for, for the best song, you know, so... So I was very, uh, or an ASCAP award, maybe not the ASCAP award, because um, that year in 78, it was up against, uh, I, was Baker Street a hit in America? The, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, Grease was out as a, uh, as a film. Yeah. So you're the one that I want and all of that. That soundtrack also, was huge here. That soundtrack was yeah. enormous. Yeah. 
yeah, <laughs> and staying alive, you know, the Bee Gees mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that how pleased I was that Love Is Like Oxygen, you know, had achieved uh, an ASCAP award. forget Casey Kasem playing that song and and just the oddness of the name of it just drew you right in immediately you were talking earlier about you you like to, to title songs that way and 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 I used to get mad when the radio would play the short version because I liked the long version yeah uh, and also I think the edited a short version in America was done by somebody um, uh, using um, using a pen knife uh, it wasn't the best of edits. The the edit that we did in in Europe um, had at least um, uh, had been thought about, even though th there's a slight tempo change here and there because there was no click tracks, you know, to work to. You just mm -hmm. had to find find your spot. Uh, but but at least um, uh, at least it was a hit, and at least people people loved it. Um, I I used to like the. Uh, the radio stations that didn't mind playing the six and a half or seven minute version, you know? Yeah. So. Same here. And so, the thing is, uh, I, I've said this, um, you know, to Brian May of Queen, I said, without Bohemian Rhapsody, Love is the Oxygen, the long version may never have got, you know, got played a year later, you know? Yeah, that's very true. Where's the best place for people to buy Isolation Boulevard, where it helps the band the most, where you get the biggest cut of the, the proceeds? Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, at, at this precise moment, uh, if you go on to uh, any of the downloading platforms, you know, that works. Um, there is a, a shop on the website, thesweet.com. Um, and also, I think if you go on the Facebook site, there there is a, a link somewhere that will take you to the vinyl stores and, thing, and things like that. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's out there. But in America... I'm not so sure. <laughs> we'll we'll find a way. So uh, Isolation Boulevard on, uh, you can get it digitally, vinyl, CD. I, I wish you the best of luck with it. And Andy Scott of the band The Sweet. Uh, that's another thing too. Here we call it Sweet, and in Europe they call it The Sweet. Uh, I've had a I've had a great time learning about this record from you, talking to you about this, and, and about your career. And and I I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mick. Thank you, Michael. Michael's Record Collection is hosted and produced by Michael Citro. Logo graphic courtesy of Jerry Cutchins. Follow Michael's Record Collection on social media, at Mike's Records on Twitter, and Michael's Record Collection on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. If you like what you hear, you can support the show through our Patreon 
at patreon.com slash Michael's Record Collection. For the free newsletter version, go to substack.com and just type Michael's Record Collection into the search bar. Thanks for listening. <laughs>